again and welcome to the Atheist Experience. I'm your host Russell Glasser and with me today is Martin Wagner. Hello. It's been a while since has we've done a been show quite together. quite a while since we've done a show. So Today is Sunday, September 1st, two, 1st 2013. We are a live streaming public call-in call in public access atheist television show based in Austin, Texas dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. We're available through live streaming on Ustream.tv. The official Atheist Experience website is www.atheist-experience. You can provide feedback by commenting on the official show blog, freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP, or you can email us at tv at atheist-community.org. If you like this show, uh, please check out uh, our related podcasts, uh, including the newly resuscitated nonprofits, now in its tenth season, twelfth, twelve, twelve. Whoo! Uh, oh, yeah. And also, godless bitches. Um, you can find links at the Atheist Experience website. The next nonprofits will be recorded live this Wednesday, September 4th. We are currently recording new shows every first and third Wednesday of the month. And I believe that's Huzzah. it. Yeah. Oh, Threadgills. And, yeah. Uh, we all go to Threadgills afterwards, so if you're in Austin, uh, you can come hang out with us. Uh, it's on 301 West Riverside Drive, and uh, we arrive around 6 p.m. after the show is over. And now that we're into September, end of this month, Bat Cruise. Bat Cruise. The Bat Cruise will be at the end of the month. Check out the ACA website. 29th, I believe. Yep. I've reserved my spots. Uh, We got Emmanuel in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi. How are you doing? Just fine. fine. How are you? Just fine. Doing well. Uh, Just want to... I just want to start off by saying I um, uh, really enjoy what you guys do. I think uh, the open and honest conversation is great. Um, I am a Bible-believing Christian, so I'll start with that just to okay. let everyone know. Um, so my question, or the thing I wanted to discuss with you, is the term atheist. And um, really just getting a definition from you really quickly, um, just to make sure that, that we're talking about the same things when we're moving forward. Uh, an atheist is a person who doesn't believe in any gods. Okay. So, do you believe that that, um, that stance is one of uh, objectivity and logic? Like, that to name your oneself atheist is a stance of objectivity, logic, sort of scientific, etc.? I think it doesn't make sense to commit to belief in a thing unless there's, uh, there's a good reason to believe it. I so, think that's an excellent statement as well. Okay. Um, so, 
Uh, the last time I called in, it was uh, a couple months ago, I had introduced the concept of binary claims okay. and how atheists um, reject basically the supernatural, anything that can't be observed, you know, tested, etc. And they say, you know, we can't, I can't believe in that because X, Y, Z, I can't, you know, I can't test it. Um, sure, it doesn't then, mean a positive I, certainty that the thing can't exist. It's just that without a reasonable way to test your beliefs, there's no point in putting the belief in that. Um, okay, uh, I can, agreed, agreed. Um, okay. That's a, I mean, that's a view that, that you guys hold. Um, but then, again, that being... Who supernatural and natural being a binary existence, so anything that's not supernatural is natural and vice versa. If you reject the supernatural, do you also reject, say, um, the, the claim that there's a natural cause to the universe? Well, first off, when you say supernatural, you're talking about supernatural as, a, as if uh, from the premise that you know, such a thing exists. So we're not necessarily on, on board with you there. So I guess what I would need to know is what, in your opinion, is the supernatural? How is it defined? What are its rules, et cetera, et cetera? What do you mean when you say supernatural? Well, I would just go by any sort of Webster definition of supernatural, would be, which would okay. be anything that could not be included as natural in the natural world as we experience it okay. you know, today, as we would define natural today, okay. which but, changes every day, but... Well, I, I, I guess the, the problem is getting to that criteria, right? I mean, for example, how do, would you know if you are encountering evidence of a thing that that thing is not part of the natural world? I mean, it would seem in, in, in some ways that if you have encountered evidence for it, something that you are experiencing or observing in some way, then that is part of your experience, and, and we're natural beings. And so how is, what sort of evidence... You know, can you can you look at to say there is a supernatural existence in addition to a natural one? What is it that persuades well, you that that's actually real? I mean, we're we're speaking more conceptually than anything else. In the same way that I can't say, like, if you talk about love, it's like, well, what can you test and observe that would demonstrate? It's one of those, like, it's a you concept. You can test and observe like lots teach, of things that like demonstrate love. Concepts. Yeah, yeah. Love is a thing that can be can be observed and can be demonstrated. Love is a human emotion, and people behave towards one another. If the, if you feel a certain emotion towards someone, whether it's love, whether it's hate, good feelings or bad feelings, those emotions that you have, those feelings that you have for the person, will be things that you express in your behavior towards them. So that's how we know that love exists. That's how we know that hate exists. So, but we're not talking about human emotions here. We're not talking about those mm. kinds of abstracts. What you, what believers in the supernatural are claiming is that there is a realm of reality that is apart from the natural realm of reality in which we live. You know, uh, yeah. you know there is there is there is you know there are there are beings in this realm of reality. There are locations in this realm of reality. For example, if you believe in heaven and hell or other kinds of worlds, so so this is very different from saying, well, you know, you can't necessarily uh, you know have this kind of observation about. Something like human feelings. Well, we know what human feelings are. They're a product of our natural world. They're a product of our minds and our brains and our emotions that we experience. So that's a very, that's not really an accurate comparison. So what you're, okay. if, if, you're yeah. if you're talking okay. about the existence of a realm of reality that is apart from the one we inhabit, then we want to know how you define that. What is, what, how do you receive that experience? What evidence is there for it? 
Well, so the evidence for the evidence for that existence would be the same as, say, the evidence for um, a historical event that there was an eyewitness to. It would be that someone saw, you know, X, Y, Z. Someone saw an angel. Someone saw God. Something that is clearly not something that you would encounter in the natural world on a regular basis. Something well, supernatural. Let in me that, ask in you this: uh, Suppose somebody came up to you and they said they saw Allah. Like, uh, you know, the, the Muslim god. He was wearing a turban, and he went around with a scimitar, and he was like, I have no son. I'm probably really butchering what Allah is like. But suppose somebody told you that they saw something that was definitely uh, a god who said that Muslim is the correct, Islam is the correct uh, religion. Would you believe them? Well, I, I wouldn't. Um, okay, why not? Reason, because it's... A, well, in the same re- for the same reason I don't believe in the flying spaghetti monster okay. is because the flying spaghetti monster, as an argument, is terrible because we know who made it, we know why they they invented so the flying spaghetti so monster. So you don't, but you well, we don't know who created. I mean, we don't know everything about who created Islam any more than we know who created Christianity. I mean, um, what? So what you're saying is you don't believe stuff just because somebody said they ran into them. Uh, I, I mean, yes. just just because somebody said they saw something isn't a particularly good reason to believe an unusual claim, right? It, it isn't. But then again, it's it's a reason to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm, no, we I'm were done. done. It's your turn. Okay. It's a reason. It's it's one of those things where, in the pursuit of truth, right? The mm-hmm. scientific method is one pursuit of truth. And there are sciences that pursue truth through the scientific method, through observing, testing, etc. History right. is not science, right? It's not. It's not. You can't. You can't prove that King Henry the Eighth. Yeah, but you know, know there are standards for history, egg. right? I mean, mm-hmm. historians don't just like come across every single manuscript they see and say, "Oh, we have the Odyssey here." Uh, it says Zeus was stomping around on the battlefield. They don't just unconditionally accept stuff that people said, right? I mean, it may not I, I be know, a yeah, hard yeah. science like physics in that you can't repeat everything that you see, but there are but there are standards for weeding out unlikely claims, even by historians. Yes, but see, the problem, the, the, the thing that history, the limitation, I should say, is that mm-hmm. the mere fact that one manuscript, you know, recorded one event, and one, manus- and one event was recorded by multiple manuscripts, doesn't make that event more likely to be true. Well, actually, it just, we have it more does. evidence for that event occurring. Yeah, I, that's, that's, that's simply it. Oh, I would, well, I would think that it would make it, if you, the more that you have to corroborate a claim, then the mm-hmm. more substance the claim has. Again, it, it may yeah. not. It may still not get you to the point of conclusive, irrefutable proof. But for example, something that may be an event that is widely recorded through multiple sources and through disparate sources uh, it is the sort of thing that you can say. Well, this is more likely to be an accurate account of something, or it's likely to get us closer to an accurate account of something than, for example. One person, you know, scrubbing, you know, something down on a papyrus parchment somewhere, you know. It, it, so corroboration does help. That's one of the tools that Russell was talking about that historians use. For example, yes. Yes. for example, there's a well-known uh, historian from antiquity called Herodotus, who wrote this mm-hmm. extensive history about, uh, you know, the the, the 
Mediterranean world, and he traveled to Egypt and all around, and this, that, the other, and uh, recorded. But unfortunately, Herodotus had a really poor methodology, which was he was something of a sucker, and he would just he would travel to uh, Egypt and these foreign lands, where just like today, you would get these eager, smiling tour guides who would, for whatever coin he wanted to put in their hands, would just babble off whatever cockamamie story they came up with. And Herodotus eagerly jotted all this sort of stuff down uh, as if these were amazing stories and histories that he was getting and published all of this. Um, but of course, many years later, the, the lack of corroboration between, you know, for some of the, some of the accounts uh, of, of things that Herodotus wrote about, uh, coupled with a knowledge about the culture at the time, has led a lot of historians to think, okay, well, Herodotus, on the one hand, he's a very important figure, and he did offer us a lot of valuable insights at that period of time. But at the same time, you know, he was not a terribly, uh, uh, you know, critical thinker in terms of what he would write about. You know, he was a bit of a sucker at times, and he got quite a number of things that we now know to be wrong. So there, so in terms of being able to corroborate claims, that is a very important thing. Yes, um, it's very important. From a, from a, from our ability to look back and say, you know, the, we from what we know from the evidence that we have, like we can say more definitively that maybe possibly this happened. But from a truth-seeking perspective, from just the perspective of what actually occurred, it is not. Like it does not like having having more than one person write something down. And why do you think does it not does make it more likely? Well, why not? Well, why not? For, well, why for the not? same way. Well, I'll give you an example now. Um, okay. Like Facebook. Like a ton of people write things on Facebook, and they only write it on Facebook. They don't write it anywhere else. In a thousand years, when people look back and they look at you know what someone wrote, if they said that they had you know papaya on Tuesday, like it doesn't matter that they didn't write it in multiple places. But like, I mean, they, this they is had papaya. but right. the principle at work here is that the the kinds of things that you're talking about on Facebook are really mundane claims, right? I mean, if I tell you right now that I had a papaya a couple of days ago, and I didn't, but... That's okay. <laughs> um, That's but okay. if I told you, like, I had spaghetti, um, <laughs> spaghetti is a really common thing. I mean, there's spaghetti all over the place. There's lots of ways to verify that spaghetti actually exists, and it's a thing that people have for lunch all the time. So when I say I had spaghetti for lunch... There's not really much point in doubting me because uh, because that is such a you know a tedious and ordinary claim that unless I'm a compulsive liar, um, then uh, you then you have no reason to doubt me. On the other hand, suppose that I say it's not the sort um, of thing that there's any point in lying about. Yeah, I mean, it's like why why would you lie about what you had to eat for lunch? But well, then on the other hand, suppose that I said no the other day for lunch. Suppose that I said the other day I had grilled unicorn for lunch. Right. Um, that's not a very typical claim, and that's the kind of thing where. Even if you think that I'm a generally honest person, you might ask me for a few details, and you might want to know, like, what restaurant did I go to, and what's the chef's name, and can you talk to him, right? Exactly. I think mm -hmm. that's exactly true. Okay. So, I mean, okay. that that's what we mean when we say, like, the more extraordinary a claim, the more backup it really needs. And a guy rising from, a dead, you, for, from the dead, you have to agree, is not a very typical result. It's not a very typical result, but and I would I would say that that claim again compared to the flying spaghetti monster mm -hmm. has you know history. It has um, a historical. I don't think historians like a, 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 a historical really. Well, again, yeah, 
Yeah, but, well, yeah. but again, yeah. that's that's it. When you're talking about an, an extraordinary extraordinary claims versus uh, non extraordinary claims, I mean, okay, you might mm-hmm. say, well, there is a history behind this. For example, there is a religious institution that has existed for you know a great many centuries, and that is certainly true. Yeah, and that's certainly true. Um, but it, but that doesn't really change the basic criterion of if you're still claiming something extraordinary, uh, something that we know goes against what is commonly understood about how nature works, then it's not enough simply to say, well, but there is all this history about it, because then what you're, you're, you're sort of engaging in, in a very common logical fallacy at that point. It's like, well, this is something that has been believed for a long time, therefore it, it is more likely to be true. Well, that's not well, necessarily that's, why something's likely to be true. I, I don't care I mean, if people have believed for 2,000 years or for 20 years or for two weeks about the resurrection of a dead body, I'm still going to require the same level of evidence before I accept that claim is true. Well, I guess so. where, you, where you sort of erred a little bit there is that it actually does matter in terms of God, like if God, like when you look at the paradigm, it has a, for internal um, validity, like it matters how long and how many people actually believe this if God exists. And I'll like tell you, Zeus, and I'll tell you why no it doesn't. believes in Zeus anymore. And I'll tell you why um, it doesn't. So Zeus, Be- yeah, but well, uh, let me just point out, Emmanuel. Let me, let me finish. Okay, go ahead and finish. finish Okay, but we're going to, Emmanuel, we are going to have to wrap up this call pretty soon. But go ahead and make make your point. Make your point. Go ahead and make your point. Yeah, sure. So Zeus and what the Olympians believed, if Zeus, if what they believed actually was true, like looking back, let's say that we were going to be objective and evaluate what they said is true, that the possibility that it was true, the fact that no one believes it anymore, the fact that we've gone up to Mount Olympus and we know that but they people don't still live believe there, Islam. They didn't have, there was no paradigm for them to explain why someone would be able to go up to Mount Olympus and not see them there. Like there's there's not a lot of internal validity for that religion. However, for those that have stood the test of time, like they have more internal validity than those that that didn't. Like okay. just in a comparison way, in an objective evaluation way, and that's why right. like well, that's, that's something to evaluate. Well, let me go ahead and, and give you a, a quick comparison, uh, you know, again, using your climbing the mountain uh, uh, example. Uh, there have been, for example, you know, uh, numerous uh, archaeological expeditions to uh, find, for example, Noah's Ark. And uh, these have either failed or they've claimed to find Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark has been found something like 17 or 18 times, and so in different mm-hmm. spots. So again, so in mm-hmm. terms of internal validity, you're you're ignoring one thing, which is for for uh, many uh, in many cases, people who are genuine and devoted believers in a particular belief system might be doing their whole uh, process a bit backwards. In other words, they will be looking for something to prove a pre-existing belief rather than let's just simply see what the evidence shows. But getting beyond More that, but getting beyond that, well, Emmanuel, give me, getting beyond that. Um, if you're just going to argue that uh, because a belief has a great deal of longevity, it's more likely to be accurate and true, uh, those Olympian gods that you talk about were worshipped for uh, quite a bit longer than, uh, to date, the Christian god has been worshipped. Christianity is a, re- a religion that's been going for about two millennia now. Artemis was a goddess who was worshipped for about four to 4,000 to 4,500 years. The Olympian gods were worshipped for about that period of time. The ancient Egyptian gods were worshipped for maybe around five to 6,000 years. So longevity is not really a good criteria for truth. Because you know, there are a lot of religions and a lot of gods who are a lot longer running, have a, they've had a great many more seasons than Christianity has. 
See, but then it really the, the past seasons matter less than the present because again, if those gods existed, why would they not be worshipped now? Like it'd be now looking back. Like, do you think that if you a, had lived, standpoint. do you think that it, if you had lived in ancient Greece, it would have been a good idea then to believe in the Greek gods? I believe there are reasons then not to believe in the Greek gods. Yes, yeah, I but believe then, there are like, reasons in the now same way that we have more evidence now. <laughs> than, and I believe than we do now then. there like, are have, good we, reasons we not to that. believe yeah. in the Christian god, and <laughs> that is regardless of how many people and for how long they have believed a thing. And and what you're essentially well, saying, Emmanuel, is that uh, yeah, the the point you're making um, is basically that at a certain point in history. While it might have been uh, a reasonable thing to believe in those gods, our actual knowledge of the real world through science, mainly through the scientific method, has since made those belief systems obsolete. So you don't see as many believers in the Olympian gods or the Egyptian gods anymore in this day and age. Why? Because, for example, our scientific understanding of the world and the universe means that we know that the sun is not, you know, a god in a chariot riding across the sky. We know it's a star. We know it's a big ball of gas, etc., etc. So what you are essentially telling us is that religions eventually become obsolete the more our actual scientific real-world knowledge gives us a more complete picture of our reality. The supernatural ultimately always gives way to the natural. And our point is that we think that just because Christianity happens to be the religion of our culture, uh, our opinion is that our science and and what we understand about uh, the world through science doesn't make the Christian God any more valid than those gods. And we think that ultimately the Christian God is going to be more and more and more weakened, believe in that God, the more we understand about our reality. And we are already seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a, a whole lot less uh, Christian belief, for example, in the in the European democracies. And the more uh, technologically advanced, educated parts of the world, Christianity is, is a very minor part of the culture. America's rather unusual in that we still have a very strong Christian culture, I think mainly because it's a very well-funded and very politically active Christian culture. But if you look in a well, lot of the countries where things are getting done, Scandinavian countries, Europe, what have you, very, very few people take Christianity as seriously as uh, Americans do. I would agree. I would say that the scientific method... Um, by a lot of people's standards, because a lot of people get a very cursory knowledge of what the scientific method is, they take it with more, um, they take it with more, uh, how should I say, steel than it should be taken, than even scientists who did the experiments would take it. And I feel like that is more the reason for the progression away from God is because people have a, have a belief that because scientists saw this, like, this must be true, whereas scientists are like, this is what we have observed, and I, I'm a scientist myself, like, this is, this is what we can say based what, on what we've what observed, kind, these are conclusions that we make from that. Yeah, yeah what, what kind mm? of scientist are you? Um, well, I, I got my bachelor's in biochemistry, I finished my PharmD, okay. so I am a pharmacist, and I'm currently uh, getting my master's in pharmacy administration. I'm not sure like, that I know qualifies you yet as physics. a professional scientist. But yeah, but you have an um, interest in science. But but you're point. right. They well, do do I that. Yeah, and, I have a fun and, I mean, I've, science. I read scientific studies for a living. Right. Fair. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I think we're going to have to move on. I was I was trying yeah, to sure. say not that people don't like you, but that people don't like it when one call runs the entire show. But uh, it's been a good conversation, and you're welcome to call back another week. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Take right. care. Thanks, Manuel. Thanks for calling. Bye. Yep. Greg in France. Yeah, that's me. Uh, thanks for holding so long. Uh, that's okay. Uh, thank you for having me. Certainly. So, 
Uh, my, my situation is obviously quite different. Uh, being an atheist in France is, I think, really different from being one in Texas. Yeah, we, we, we know. We were just talking about that. <laughs> we were just to Emmanuel, weren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah secularism uh, here is more to the tune of freedom from from religion. Here, it's more um, uh, an anti-believer version of "Don't ask, don't tell." Really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I wanted to call to say that still, while the country itself is quite. Um, Secular uh, re- religion itself has left uh, quite uh, a huge mark uh, on the country. Yeah, I've uh, I've been to Notre Dame. <laughs> it's got some pretty cool or- architecture. Mm-hmm. Religion um, has given us some really great buildings. I'll say that. Yeah, no, I mean because they were the guys with the Notre money. Notre Dame. Um, um, that's paid by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, not for. Religion, religious uh, reason, sorry, but more for its um, historical factor. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, at the time, no, it was created was a as... Problem. Yeah, go there ahead. was a problem in 2006 uh, concerning uh, Notre Dame itself, or the square around it, hmm. uh, because uh, before it was called uh, the square de Notre Dame, uh, but then the the mayor decided to change it to uh, Square John Paul II. Ooh. And, so, huh. um, I'm guessing that upset some people. <laughs> it came out of left field, really, uh, and mm. it was uh, really strange in that the guy, the, the mayor at the time, was a, a socialist, a gay socialist, so to that come from him was quite a surprise for everyone, I think. Yeah, was it this, some kind of bizarre political pandering, or what do you think was behind that? Did he explain himself? I, I'm not sure about political pandering, because the guy was a so- socialist. He was quite liked, yeah. and uh, I don't think... Um, uh, there wasn't, at the time... Uh, a Catholic lobby like you could uh, see now with the gay marriage uh, yeah. that you see on the news. Uh, that was also quite a surprise. But um, no, it was, uh, I think it, it just died at the time. Mm-hmm. The Pope just died. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe he felt. Because uh, it, 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 it was quite liked uh-huh. uh, in France, but whatever. Yeah, but this mayor uh, probably I, just I, thought that that would be a. A, a nice gesture that Good people would... Style. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And miscalculated. Yeah. But, oh, well. yeah, we we still have, for example, uh, I was talking about um, when we have the weather forecast uh, on the television, uh, we still have uh, saint, the saints, the Catholic saints, associated with each day of the year. Okay. Well... So, uh, it will be uh, September the 3rd, it will be Saint uh, Greg, so, uh, Wait, so they say the saint's name on the weather report? Yeah, on the weather report, yes. Really? That's, that's no, like yeah, a weird it, detail that I wouldn't ever it, expect anyone to... I, I did not know that. Yeah, tomorrow the, same, the sun will get up at uh, 6 a.m., mm-hmm. and it will be saint uh, whatever the day. And there's a saint for every day of the year? Uh, every single one. <laughs> wow. So 300 and... Wow, that's a real yeah, saint business. Yeah, it was 300, All yeah. different. 
Huh. I feel like that's unfair to new saints because they must not be able to get their own day anymore. Like they, they were trying to saint to Mother Teresa a while back. Well, There's maybe no it's Teresa maybe they have day. a thing where if they need to make room for more daily saints, they'll take some of the more longstanding <laughs> daily. They'll upgrade them to weekly saints and free sure. up a day. Okay. For, uh, I don't know, but how strange. Yeah, yeah. For example, to also public schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have a uh, few uh, religious holidays. Mm-hmm. Well, so do we. Uh, well, we have Christmas, obviously, but uh, in France, uh, it's quite a bit easier to dissociate Christmas from its Christian origin, mm-hmm. because in English it's Christmas, so the so the Christ is quite obvious in the name. Yeah, in mm-hmm. France it's Noel, but, right? Uh, in French, in French it's Noel uh, mm-hmm. for the New Year. Uh, so people don't even know sometimes, yeah, it's, a, it's from the Christians. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No. So you have Christmas, you have uh, All Saints Day, you have hol- holidays for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, for example, yeah, also uh, you can see the rise of uh, cultural uh, Catholicism. Um, there was a poll in 2007. Uh, where uh, 51% of the French people said they were Catholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yet, um, of those who said they were Catholic, only half uh, said they believed in God. Huh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, I, got, I got one question. Uh, what is your personal take on the influence of Islam in France? Because I know that that's been a little controversial over there. Now, well, it depends, really. It's, um, they, they have no. If you talk specifically in politics, mm-hmm. um, they have absolutely no voice. You do not okay. have uh, famous uh, clerics mm-hmm. who right. speak uh, in their name. Um, I think uh, in, there are ten thousands mayors, tens of thousands of mayors in uh, in France. And uh, not a single one is Muslim. Interesting. So uh, what? What? So I guess you don't. You wouldn't uh, like give any credit to the idea that like Islam is about to take over the country or anything like that. I, I doubt it. <laughs> well, you know, um, um, hardcore Christians in the U.S. will say, "Yeah, you will be overrun. Uh, they have uh-huh. like uh, ten kids when you have one." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've heard those guys. And yeah. um, the thing is, um, they they may have more kids. The first generations may have more kids, but uh, in the end, uh, the same thing happens to them that happens to the rest of us. Uh, they don't follow the religions of their mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. That's well, a just beautiful sort of thing. I drift away. Say. That's yeah. That's <laughs> that's that progress. We like. <laughs> so of course, of course, now we have the difficulties with. Um, Third generations, mm-hmm. because the, the one, the first generation, the second, who arrived in France um, after the war in uh, Algeria, mm-hmm. um, they didn't practice uh, their religions. They were quite open to to the new culture. Uh, but to be frank, uh, the French government kind of um, ignored those persons that didn't pay uh, their salary for their participation in the war. And so their grandkids have grown kind of a resentment 
to the country. I see. And those are the one who run to Islamism. Hmm. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, so that's why you see uh, we call the the city, the city blocks, uh, the horrible-looking city blocks. You can see uh, where there was all those fires in the 2003. Right. Yeah. All those from cars riots. burning. Um, it was those guys. Okay. But um, hmm. yeah, it's it's a little bit more complicated because you see they they say yeah the Christians have all those churches that are already built in the country, mm -hmm. and we have nothing. Uh, so could you please uh, help us pay for our mosques? <laughs> right. It can be quite difficult because why do we say? We are a secular country. It's hard to say we are a secular country. We do not participate in religious matters when we have the saints' days, sure. religious holidays. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Notre Dame de Paris is in the square. It's called Jean Paul II. Okay, uh, Greg. Have, um, Greg, yeah. I think yeah. we're going to wrap up and you know, okay. pick up another caller. But uh, thanks for the insights about your country. Yeah, I appreciate. It. I learned a lot of uh, interesting things Absolutely. right there. I do appreciate that. But yeah, we do kind of have to move on. All right. Uh, Thank you for calling. Nice talking to you. Thanks. See you. Bye. Justin in Indiana. Hi. How's it going, guys? Just fine. Pretty good. Awesome. I am very, very excited to call the show. Um, I am an atheist as well. Um, and I just wanted to say briefly that um, watching you guys, um, I discovered you on YouTube when I had my wisdom teeth taken out, and it really helped <laughs> me get through it. So thank you. I'm glad that's, you didn't develop some kind of aversion to it. Yeah, I, that's the best praise I think we could have possibly gotten. <laughs> yes, you helped me recover from my wisdom teeth surgery. Right. That's, it's um, a miracle, right? We had a yeah, healing right, touch. Right. <laughs> so thank you guys a whole lot. Um, my main question for you guys is, um, Steven Pinker recently wrote an article in the New Republic magazine about science is not the enemy. And he talks about okay. how people have been constantly attacking the philosophy of positivism. Um, and I just wanted mm -hmm. to know, um, because positivism is essentially the philosophy that anything that we can sort of discern from the natural world, um, we can discern um, through uh, the social world as well. And I wanted to know what you guys thought. Do you think that positivism is a natural sort of corollary of atheism, or do you think that the anti-positivist mov movement, which is really pervasive in a lot of political um, circles with, uh, like, Jackson Lears, who writes for the Nature magazine, who critiques Sam Harris's work, um, do you guys think that positivism is a logical corollary of atheism, or do you think that anti-positivism could also be part of atheism? And if so... How would you be able to to um, discern that? Hopefully, I, I, uh, hopefully I wasn't confusing you guys. I don't know about Martin, but I think this question is above my pay grade. I'd have to sit down and read stuff. About uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't read Pinker's article, so maybe I should. Maybe you could uh, email us the link to that at the TV show address. I, I don't know if this is specifically what you're talking about, but there okay. has been a great deal of debate in within movement atheism uh, recently about what should movement atheism take an interest in. Okay. And there is uh, a contingent of us who believe, for example, that such things as um, social justice 
would be is something that is necessary for atheists to get behind. Right. So basically, addressing issues yeah. of uh, social example, inequality, uh, uh, racism, homophobia, sexism. bigotry, misogyny, the things like yeah. that. Uh, and uh, you know, our take on it is that if we are going to be skeptics about institutions and attitudes that institutions have handed us down from time immemorial. And if we're going to look at these things and say these aren't good ideas, uh, then we should do that across the board. And uh, particularly as atheists, if we are going to, for example, reject organized religion, and if we are going to reject some of the mores that have been imposed on society by that religion, for example, um, you know all the all these anti-gay attitudes, uh, anti-marriage equality, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, we people like Brian Fisher and, and Fred Phelps and all of the really really outspoken homophobic, anti, uh, militant anti-gay people out there. They're all coming from a fundamentalist religious uh, perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so, you, so I, if we are going to reject the religion, then it, we also have to look skeptically at um, the, the, the moral ideas and precepts that those guys are trying to hand us based on their religion and saying, yeah, no, it's wrong to repress certain groups of people that you don't like. It's wrong to deny certain uh, groups of people as basic civil rights. And so as atheists, we should maybe be for those things. Right. Uh, and also, you know, if atheism is, if atheism is going to be successful as, uh, as a movement, effectively, that, mm-hmm. that, is, that brings in as many people as possible uh, who are learning to reject religion, then it makes sense to look at uh, kind of principles that... Uh, that would be welcoming to as many groups of people as possible. Yeah, and and so uh, and those and, things can bring yeah that, bring all right. those folks into our wheelhouse and uh, and and sure yeah. I, just because you're just being an atheist doesn't I think necessarily lead to any other kinds of social or philosophical or political attitudes. You can mm-hmm. not believe in any in invisible magic men in the sky. And, uh, you know, be the most uh, conservative fellow out there. You can, you know, so, so the one thing doesn't, I think, necessarily lead to another. But I think that there is a good case to make for there being a natural uh, progression from, from rejecting religion and being atheist to, you know, uh, saying that. But now if, we're, if, if, if what we are promoting is a secular world, then we need to have a really nice <laughs> secular world for all of us to live in. Or at and least an yeah, idea absolutely. of what a nice and secular yeah. world I mean, would look like. And then we should pursue that. So um, let me just interject and say that I, I agree with you guys completely. Um, and I think the thing that I, I guess I made, my point is, is that primarily like the anti-positivist would argue exactly against what you were saying. Essentially mm-hmm. that they would argue that there's no good discernible way that we can gain evidence of the social world. Everything is subjective. Everything is relative. And so there's no bothering in dealing with, with issues in a way that's sort of scientific. I think um, I I think uh, I talked to philosopher Dan Finke a couple of months ago, and mm-hmm. I think what he would say about this, and I'm I tend to be on his side for for the most part, um, okay. is that the the health of like the the health of a society isn't an exact science, but then neither is the health of your body, and so yeah. if, if if a doctor tells you, you know, you really should, like, lay down the Twinkies and get some exercise. Uh, You know, you could say to him, well, you know, uh, there's no absolute guarantee that that me not stuffing my face with Twinkies will be good for my health. And I, you know, (laughs) I know this guy who who lived to be 103, um, and he Mm -hmm. loved Twinkies. Um, But 
you know, there there is such a thing as、uh, measuring the health of a person and and people being more or less more or less healthy, and certain behaviors correlating with、uh, with a person who's in better shape. Uh, and I think,、yeah. in the same sense, when we deal with secular ethics,、uh, we're trying to figure out the kinds of ways that a society can behave that are most just and、uh, and work the best to promote the health of its citizens. And so,、okay. I th- I think that if that's what anti-positivists, th- I mean, if if anti-positivists think that it doesn't matter what you do,、uh, as far as、uh, You know, as as far as whether there's a right and a wrong thing to do, I'm with the positivists in this case. And I guess that's why part of our slogan is that we promote positive atheism. I think that's what we、awesome. really mean about it. And that was then that was essentially my point. I mean, I think the thing that's important to I guess I tried to, I wanted to call about was this idea that anti-positivists tend to always think that people who、um, promote science and reason and critical thinking that they're always the ones that are dogmatic, and that's always the, that is always the thing they always hit on. And I'm like, if anybody's dogmatic. It's the it's the irrationalist. It's the it's the non-logical. It's the it's the religionist, essentially.、Mm. Mm-hmm. Well,、yeah. I mean, I hesitate to lump people with religion just as a blanket way of insulting them. <laughs> well, I don't、um, think that's what he meant. I think that's just you know, people are. Resistant to moving out of their comfort zone, religion is one thing that gives people a comfort zone, and one of the ways in which they de- get defensive when you try、yeah. to persuade them of other ideas is by you're a militant new atheist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, no, I'm just、that. trying to tell you what I mean. And people, and, and of course, that's a thing they project, right? You know, the, the angry ones are the ones who are always、right. telling I mean, if, you if, how angry you are. If people ask me why do you support separation of church and state, I have an answer. I have. Have specific examples of ways that、uh, church and si- that the state interfering with church and vice versa、um, lead to s-、uh, social results that we don't like, and I have specific、uh, anecdotes about when that happened and what the bad result was, and and kind of you know statistical evidence of of different amounts of involvement in different countries and throughout history. I think that there are things that we can learn from other countries and other time periods、uh, that really do inform our beliefs and don't just make、uh, what we should do ethically kind of a random crapshoot, like these guys seem to be saying.、Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good point because I think the bigger problem is that you have a lot of people who, the moment a new scientific explanation is, is understood. Or somebody writes an article defending science.、Um, there always tends to be someone who comes out of the woodwork, if you will, who, who can either be religious or not, and just says, "Oh, you're being dogmatic. Oh, you're being this." And it just seems absurd to say that someone's being dogmatic when they're being as critical as they can. Right. Yeah. Oh, you see that?、Uh, that's a very common thing right now. In, 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 it's a very worrying thing in our culture today, where you have.、Um, You know the anti-vaccination crowd. You've got、Global、the climate cl- deniers. That that crowd too. Yeah, there's always some sort of denialist who comes along because they see new information as a threat to a status quo that gives them comfort,、mm-hmm. and、uh, or the, at least they think gives them comfort. Or they just、uh, and that's kind of it's conservatism. I mean, you know, if, if conservatism is let's keep things the way they are, let's not change, let's not. You know, have these great societal sea changes that upend you know the the, the thing that gives me the nice privileged position I live in.、Um, so there's always going to be that kind of resistance. So we're seeing a lot more of it though lately, and it is kind of worrying. Yeah,、right、I wonder why do you guys think that sometimes in academic circles 
or that in sometimes in like the mainstream press, like like the New Republic um, published Lear's reply to Pinker, and Lear's basically just said that that Pinker was cherry picking about his position on positivism because he basically argued that positivism led to eugenics and. Sort of well, I mean, until until I read his article, I won't be able to like yeah, address a specific thing he said. Yeah. But yeah, uh, okay. Uh, uh, I think we're going to wrap up. Yeah, we got 15 awesome. minutes and a, a bunch more people in line. But I appreciate your questions were really cool. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks awesome. for Thank calling. Thank you very much. You guys so, have a good night. Thank you. you, and don't forget to email us that link. <laughs> um, and I predict that uh, before a couple of days have passed, we will hear from both anti-vaxxers and global. Oh, do you think? <laughs> Do Just you, a few. Do you think we upset that Apple uh, card? Okay, so I believe we have Angel from here in Austin. <clears throat> Hello? Hello. Hello, you're on. Hi. 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 Uh, I've got um, a couple, maybe a few real simple questions. Most of them kind of yes and no, but they're kind of uh, having to do with the deep things of life and death and our existence. Okay. Um, who am I talking to? Uh, this is Russell and Martin over there. Yeah, Russ, Russell and Martin. Yes. Hello. All right. So I mean, I guess I mean either of you guys could answer the question, but um, I guess my my first question is: Do you have a soul? Uh, I would say no. Yes. I mean, dependent on what you mean by soul. Right. Well, by soul, I mean, I mean Ray Comfort like once tried to tell us that soul just means life. So yeah, I've got a life. Yes, yeah, soul. Soul. Uh, words like soul. They're 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 similar to words like spiritual. And that right. everyone who who takes those terms seriously seem will give you a different definition of it. So exactly. I'm if not, if what you're talking about, Angel, is is there a a an aspect of my being that that will uh, leave my body and survive after my physical death? Then no, I don't believe I have that kind of a soul. Okay, do you, do you know, okay, so you don't believe you have that kind of soul. Do you know for a fact that you don't have that kind of soul? I don't know for a fact that there aren't 3,000 different versions of me living in 3,000 alternate universes. Right. Um, you know, right, but I have no reason to believe that there are. So until, okay. until I get some reason, some, you know, sensible reason to believe that a, uh, a, a, that kind of a soul exists within me some, somehow, I'm refraining from believing in that. I don't see any reason, any good reason to believe that I do. I don't have positive proof, but there are, but again, this whole absolute knowledge Mm -hmm. thing really is kind of a red herring. You don't have to have absolute knowledge of something to choose to believe it or not believe it. You just have to right. have what you think are good reasons not to choose and believe it. Well, right, right, right. Thank you. Excellent answer. Um, okay, so you, so you deny as of right now that you have a soul. So you're basically saying that right now you exist, but one day you will no longer exist ever again? That is correct. Okay. Um, my second question is, do you have a conscience? What do you mean? Uh, something that tells you in your heart and or in your head the difference between right and wrong. Uh, do I have reasoning processes that uh, that inform my decisions? Yes. Um, well, not so much. Well, the decisions that I'm talking about are more like morally right or morally wrong. For example, like if I was to push an old lady in front of a bus, right? And were you laughed, listening to the last call? Um, I kind of caught in the ends of it. I didn't know yeah. you guys were starting at 4:30. 
Yeah. Sorry. Okay. But, um, uh, I mean, it, well, yeah. So we, I'm, but but that but that is the same thing, right? I mean, you have we have uh, ways in which we use our reason to evaluate, you know, positive acts versus uh, you know harmful acts, and we mm-hmm. act accordingly. Uh, and so you know, yeah, yes, we we have the reasoning capacity to understand the difference between those things. Okay, but but you, you you're calling them thinking processes. You don't think there's anything above and beyond that, like a moral conscience, maybe like a God-given conscience. Again, just like a soul, we don't think that there's something like in a non-physical realm that's in for, that's making those decisions for and, us. And why would there need right. to be? I mean, you, you, it's, we are perfectly capable of assessing uh, the consequences of an action, uh, not only to ourselves but to those around us, and deciding whether or not that is a wise choice to make. So right, we, we right. are we are decision-making beings. That's part of you know who we are and what we do. So I guess if I, I guess if I also rephrase the question, do you have a conscience? And I said that your answer is yes, based on your answer, you have uh, thinking capabilities to determine the difference between right and wrong. Then you would say yes to that type of conscience, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. And those okay. thinking abilities are, of course, shaped by the way we're brought up and the and right. the things that we observe during our lives. But there's also a, we do have as a species. This is a known thing. Uh, it's natural for humans to have an innate sense of empathy. There have been uh, uh, tests run using groups of children and very very small, like two three years old, where they evaluate their behaviors and they found that there is a natural empathic sense. That people okay. that that you know people have for one another, and right. I think that okay. that has to do with the kind of creature we are. We're human beings, and so the kind of species that we are is a social species, which means that we survive by grouping together and and working together to ensure our species success. Some other primates have, yeah. have demonstrated other, some of the same we've things seen, also, We've right? seen exactly this sort of thing in a lot of, in, in chimpanzee uh, societies and in gorilla societies, they actually have a sense of justice and right, right. and wrong. They, they uh, you know, uh, groups of families of, of apes will punish uh, those who misbehave within their little family. But this is different. Under 10 minutes, yeah. okay, I think all right. uh, Angel should get to his It's been so question. long since I've been on the show. I'm in like prattle mode today, <laughs> yeah, guys. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just totally enjoying it. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that's right. yeah. So on with your point. Okay, so you called it an innate sense of sympathy or empathy? Empathy. empathy. Okay, so why does why does that exist? Because we have evolved as a social species. It is necessary for our species, Homo sapiens, to survive. We, we are the kind of animal that works together to ensure that survival. This is different, for example, from sharks. Sharks are not a social species. They're sort of on their own, doing their own thing. You know, they only get together to mate and, and make other sharks. Um, so so the, we, we, we are that kind of animal. But, but, but why, why, does, why do we have a need or a drive to survive? Where did that come from? Well, any that living... is the basic principle of evolution. I mean, basically yeah. anything that didn't have a basic a, a basic drive to survive would be dead now and would be replaced by something else that did have that drive. So, it, yeah. so that's not a question of of really whether it's better or worse objectively to have a survival instinct. It's just that, in point of fact. Anything that doesn't have a survival instinct doesn't survive. It's kind of, it's almost a tautology. Gotcha. Uh, Moving on, because that could be a long discussion. Um, Do you believe in temptation? Uh, Like with all your questions, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean. Uh, Something that urges us to do something we probably know we shouldn't do, but. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, people go through that in life, yeah. Why would you explain that they exist? 
why would temptation exist? Right. Why wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, this, this gets down to, I think this ties into uh, our ability to discern right from wrong and make wise decisions about it. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're imperfect beings and we don't always make the best decision. And, you know, we, we may do something that is not the best choice, but we'll do it because we decide, well, maybe it'll be a little bit fun. Uh, maybe we just want to rebel. Who knows? Uh, maybe we're just not feeling happy in our lives and we think that doing a particular thing, which in most other situations, you'd be able to look at that and say, yeah, it's pretty dumb. But, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, the long and short of it is uh, we're just because we uh, <laughs> we are the kind of creature we are doesn't mean that we're always smart in what we do. And so, right. yeah. And so if you make a dumb decision based upon uh, bad reasoning, and you could call that temptation, right? Like the temptation uh, for, you know, some clerk working a lousy job at, you know, uh, McDonald's and he's not making good money. So he's tempted, you know, to slip a 20 out of the till and put it in his pocket. You know, that's mm-hmm. a dumb decision, bad decision. But he may, in a moment of, you know, just being emotional and not all that sensible, do it. And guess what? And he'll suffer the consequences for well, that if I he's mean, caught. you know, and, and also that, you, I wouldn't universally say that that was bad. I mean, you know, there are yeah. like Robin Hood stories, <laughs> for instance. Well, I, 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 I mean, I'm just saying, oh, if yeah, you want to make one general principle like thou right. shalt not steal, it doesn't take into account like whether you live in a, an oppressive society yeah. and maybe stealing is the only way to survive some of the Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you can always think right. of examples of where yeah. like a, a, a generally immoral action would be a specifically, you know, what would be the thing to do then. I but, mean, but if uh, our minds were perfectly developed, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> then we'd always make perfect decisions and not uh, and not use, like for instance, the desire for some short-term pleasure to influence our rational thinking about long-term goals. But we're not that perfect. Well, when you say we're imperfect beings and we're not that perfect, what what standard of perfection are you talking about? Well, just a very basic. Yeah, sense. yeah. I mean, the, the, the very. All he means is that if we were sensible enough, if we were completely sensible all the time, so that we never made uh, just through foolishness. Like a if bad we decision. always did things perfectly in our own self-interest and uh, <laughs> with our long-term survival and happiness in mind. Right. Yeah. You know, it's as close as you can get. You know, it's it's uh um, but then that's the whole learning. That ties back into the question of having a conscience and having, right, having an right, ability, right. a rational ability to discern right from wrong. Um, there's a little thing that uh, we, we refer to as uh, maturity versus immaturity. Sometimes, you know, an immature person like, uh, you know, some you know, juvenile delinquent or someone is going to be someone who is you're, going to make irrational decisions. Your average 13-year-old on <laughs> Call of Duty. Yes, <laughs> yes, Dad, Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yes, gotcha. It's okay. You know, so it's, um, a, it's a, we're, we're learning beings and we screw up quite a bit. And, um, you know, even people okay. say, is that... Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Like I said, I don't want to own conversations last forever. It's, not, it's cool. Um, yeah. do, do you believe, does atheism hold, uh, or, do you, or do at least you guys believe that humans evolved from a single-celled organism? Well, I that's wouldn't yes. simplify way. We, we, yes, we, first of all. <laughs> yeah. And then Martin will now go on to I'm going to say that, you know, a, the, the idea that all living things today can be traced back to common ancestors, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty well established in the literature. I wouldn't refer to that as an atheist belief, though. That is right. the conclusion that science has come to, and atheists just tend to be more likely than than. Uh, theists to ex- to not reject science for right. uh, religious reasons. 
Although um, some of the best evolutionary scientists out there are, yeah. are themselves theists, like yeah, sure. Miller right. and Francisco Lea and people like that. So yeah. Well, how, how my my contention is: How would an organism know that light and sound exist without having eyes and ears? And then how would it, you know, know how to develop eyes and ears? It, I, you know, okay, you know, I, I think that this, this uh, we've is what, got well, two minutes yeah. left. And, and this is one where we would have to, like, point you to websites and yeah. say, go read all these long, long articles and papers. <laughs> yeah, because we I can't mean, answer I that. You, and, that, that yeah. There's a, some very basic mistakes you're making in just the way that you've formulated your questions. So if I were to tell you to do one thing, I would type in Evolution 101 and go to a site <laughs> that Berkeley has that comes up. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Sure it's, it's, one, 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 okay. One, one, one real uh, quick last question. I appreciate you guys' time. Uh, do, do you believe that we feel emotions in our hearts? No, we I'd, pump blood in our hearts. Yeah, we feel emotions in our minds, in in oh. our in our thoughts up here. We this feel our oh. emotions in our stomachs sometimes. It depends on what <laughs> kind of emotion. Yeah, uh, you know, you're thinking of getting to three um, kills now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's okay. all up here. This is where we gotcha. all are. Okay. I appreciate you guys' time. Oh, thanks for the good questions, Angel. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks. And we have had a bunch of really patient folks that we haven't gotten to take. And we apologize to Lewis and John and the other John and and stuff. Yeah, we will uh, talk to them for a couple of minutes after the show is over. Although, do we have, like, one minute or two left? It's it's 26.50. take another caller. Yeah. but, uh, gosh, I'm looking forward to the bat cruise. <laughs> Why, yes. Like I am every In, year. Indeed. Um, uh, uh, that's, and, uh, wait, are we allowed to say yet who's coming to, uh, surely we are, right? What? Yes? yes okay, PZ a... Myers is going to be lecturing before the bat cruise and joining us on the bat cruise. So, mm-hmm. uh, we'll be hanging out with him. And, uh, you know, it, it has been a very low-key, friendly show. I mean, I think we got to a lot of nice, we agreed with some people and disagreed with other Aren't people. Aren't we supposed to be horrible, mean people who insult everyone who calls and we're just, just <laughs> complete assholes all the time? Isn't well, that our, not isn't, here. <laughs> isn't, that our, isn't that our modus operandi? I think we failed our own well, show today. To be, yeah. We just people are complaining in the chat room. We like, haven't. More, more, yeah. more. <laughs> yes, I know. You some 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 Sundays you get screaming at crush your Sunday enemies, dawn, so. see them driven yeah. before you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the limitations okay. of their women and blah blah blah. But yes. I always have fun with you, Martin. Thanks why, for coming. Why so so do I, Russell? And sometimes it's All on right. the show. <laughs> yes. Well, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye, everyone. See you next week. <laughs> Enjoyed it. So long.